0: So just know anything is possible. The best thing that you have to do is continue to take care of you, check in with you and ask yourself, okay, if something's not serving me, you know, the way that it should, you know, change it, set boundaries. One thing I didn't do at the beginning of my business, I wanted to do everything and be involved with everything that I burned myself out.
1: Hey, my name is Ariana, and as an immigrant, wife, young mother, and multi-passionate professional, I currently spend my days trying to figure out this crazy and unpredictable thing called life. After a few chaotic years learning from my mistakes in my early 20s, I've now struck that balance with full-time work at a fabulous tech company and a startup coaching business I run from home. So here we are, making the best of life curveballs and optimizing our opportunities. We talk about all things career, business, money, life, and mistakes. And maybe even an after-hour conversation or two. So grab your coffee and pour your wine, and let's get inspired to embrace your weird, all while learning workshop style. The breakout session is about to begin. This is the Side Hustle Experience Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode number eight. I am so excited that you're back here. In today's episode, I have an amazing guest with me. Her name is Harleni. I cannot wait to introduce you to her. She is an amazing BFF for my business. We've met almost two years ago, which is insane. She is my pen pal for sure. Carlene Vasquez is actually a licensed social worker and Latinx woman of color. She's a founder of her business, Your Evolved Mind, where she is a career coach helping aspiring and social workers in all stages build their confidence levels to market themselves effectively while learning all of the tools needed to secure their next opportunity using LinkedIn. She's an experienced social worker with over eight years of experience in social services, providing trauma-informed care, and now social work recruiter and MSW student affair coordinator. She serves as a board member for the Latino Social Work Coalition and Scholarship Fund. Her is on a mission to uplift and elevate the social work profession. Wow, that is just such an amazing bio. I cannot even wait to hear more about you and have the listeners get to know you a little better. This is just such a unique niche that you have chosen for your career coaching business. And I am so pumped, so grateful that you decided to come onto the show. So Harleni, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction.
0: It's crazy, which I know we're going to be talking in this episode. Sometimes we forget to validate ourselves, the journey of everything that we have accomplished. And yes, I'm so excited to, you know, kick off this particular episode with you. I know that we recently met in person, right, which is so freaking amazing. And I'm just excited to chat. I mean, you know, us being a woman of color, Latina, like, you know, fellow side hustler. So I'm just excited to, you know, jump into this conversation and just share so many gems.
1: Absolutely. Yes, that's right. It slipped my mind at the fact that we've been talking via Instagram for two plus years now, and due to the pandemic, we wanted to meet a lot sooner, but we just couldn't. And now we got together in an amazing conference for Latino women in the city. The Dream Lab. <laughs> yeah, the Dream Lab. It's interesting because we met for the first time and it didn't feel that way.
0: Absolutely. I was like, you're my sister. I was like, that's it. Like, it was just like that particular touch that I was like, oh, I feel at home. But it wasn't like awkward because I know like when you first meet someone for the first time, you're like, oh, my God, what if
1: they don't like me? What if I'm not myself? But it didn't feel like that with you. It clicked so well. Oh, yeah, I felt the same exact way. And it was interesting because I had to go home, remember, to my babies. And I was like, this is just so much fun. I don't even want to leave but we were together for a while. It was a full day event like almost eight hours. (laughs) It was such a great conference but I I did want to get into your experience as a side hustler. I know that you've been doing this close to the same amount of time I have. So why don't you go ahead and tell us your story like how and why did you start side hustling?
0: Absolutely. So I guess to first start with saying those who know me and those who don't Those who know me know that I am a natural career cheerleader. Like in my previous roles, especially being a licensed social worker, I have worked in different settings with different populations, majority in leadership roles. Even sometimes I was in a particular leadership role. But my particular personality, regardless of what role I held, whether it was my colleague, my staff member, I was more focused on their professional development rather than the role itself. Like any opportunity that I used to, you know, when it came to the annual, you know, performance review, I used to get so excited. I'm like, okay, talk to me about your goals. What do you want to do? And of course, majority of them, whether they were interns, whether they were social workers or just overall within the helping profession. So imagine for eight years doing that, you know, just a continued basis. And of course, on the side, that was a family member at a party, always talking about goals that, you know, for a long time, I was always the go-to person within my own community that helped, you know, with colleagues and friends when it came to the resume and interview prep. And for a long time, I did that for free. Like, I wasn't thinking about starting a business. This is stuff that came second nature to me. I just did it until about mid-2019, my fiance now, because at that time he was my boyfriend. He was like, why don't you charge in for resumes? And I was like, charging for resumes, what? Like, you know, I didn't really think because at the end of the day, I generally wanted to help. I was like, I don't care about money. I was just like, I want to help. And he was like, no, like, you know, people have been approaching you lately, you know, like time is money. And I said, okay, sure, I guess. So I started to do that. And then, you know, I still felt like I wanted to do more. And of course, again, thanks to him, giving him a shout out. He's like, get on Instagram, you know, start sharing some content. You know, you have so much to offer. Like, I know that you want to do so much more. So why not start building your community? So around that time, fall 2019, around September, I think that's around the time that we connected or so, I was just posting content. I wasn't trying to say like, I'm a coach. I have a business. It was just more like, let me just share content. But the moment that I started identifying myself as a woman of color, a Latina, a social worker, and people started to be like, wow, you know, I can relate to her. She's sharing so many gems. My community started to grow. People started reaching out and saying like, hey, how can I work with you? You know, do you offer consultations? And around that time, I was just, again, not thinking more about business. And I'm like, you know what? I'm on to something. That's why I started really investing, putting myself out there to hire, you know, business coaches to show me the routes and really start doing a lot of market research to really find out what is the biggest problem that social workers are facing. Because I knew myself, I was like, I'm starting out, might as well be so niche to something that's going to work for me. Trust me so many people was like, you should expand, you should be helping so many professionals. I'm like, no, social work is in my gut and something is telling me to stick to it because I just knew like there's something here, especially aspiring social workers, social workers of color within the BIPOC community, you know, not having those resources, you know, limiting beliefs, all those things. And slowly but surely, here I am pretty much two years later and I have a thriving business. So when it comes to starting, that's pretty much how I got started. I know, Everyone's situation is different. So people's like, oh, I need to make money or whatever. But my particular purpose when it came to starting my business, I generally wanted to help. Money was far, right? Again, I wasn't even thinking. And I didn't even not believe, but I didn't think that it will get like this particular, like this big as I did now, right? And this is only the beginning. So that's what it means when it comes to my story. <laughs> but I know everyone's journey is different.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's really fascinating. But you know what, Harlenia, I want to go back to some of the things you mentioned during that story, because since a lot of our listeners are really new to this, majority of them don't really know much about business. So you mentioned two things that I'm curious to hear from you, what they mean. One is market research and the other one is niche So what is market research exactly and how can people get started with that? Like, why is it important to do market research when you're launching a business?
0: Great question. Of course, I forget, you know, all those things. So market research, it really comes down from a place of just doing research, regardless if you want to be a career coach, you know, business coach, life coach, anything. You always want to come from a place of I need to be the solution for people, You need to be able to just do research and basically talk to people. It can be your colleagues. It can be, you know, anyone that, you know, you currently want to serve. And this is where niche comes in. It can be the idea of a person. Obviously, I am very niche to the core, social work, but I don't want you to feel, you're listening, like, I don't have a niche. I just want to help, example, women of color. Then that's a niche, right? Or it can be, you know, first generations in tech. I'm just giving an example. The point is that you are focusing on a scope of practice, focusing on a particular area that feels very close to you, very, you know, close to home, and that you're very passionate about it. So that's what I meant in regards to niche, and that's what I meant in regards to market research. Just really figuring out, like, hey, Hey, tell me, you know, what are some of the struggles that you feel that you're facing? And again, I'm just using career coaching as an example, but it can just be, can you tell me some of the challenges that you're facing, you know, within your career? You know, what is something that you wish you would have had when you started? Questions like that is really picking their brain pretty much.
1: Yeah, definitely. So how did you start doing market research? Did you just like jump on calls with people or did they reach out to you when you decided to take those opportunities on market research or were you intentional about it?
0: I feel that I had an advantage because number one, I was my own case study, being a social worker, graduating, you know, not having those resources, having to teach myself, the lack of resources in most schools. So number one, I came with that particular background of my own experience, but of course I didn't want to be biased. But then of course, I already had my network of social workers, right, colleagues, friends. So I started with them. And I also was able to realize that. Based on my previous roles I'm like okay Harley what is the number one thing people come to me for how to you know edit their resume how to interview with confidence how to get clarity all of those things people kept coming to me on a regular even before I was a career coach. So when I was able to, quote unquote, want to get more social workers, I mean, most social workers are friendly. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm doing like market research. You know, if you participate, I'll give you like some card to like Starbucks or something. You know, I wanted to show some incentive or I'll offer you like a free consulting session or something to kind of not act so much and also be able to be like, hey, you know, for your time. And trust me, so many people like I remember when I first started doing market research, people were like, hell yeah, let's do it. Like I'm getting a call. And I thinking back, I'm grateful for those people that, you know, gave me the time of day because it just helped me enhance. And obviously once I started getting clients and I was able to learn more and then adjust as I go and all those things.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thank you for giving us that deep dive into market research, niching down, all of that great stuff. But did you always start with that niche in mind or were you first a little bit more broadened and decided to kind of go a little bit more into the core of people that needed the help in your community?
0: That's a great question. I just feel like I always knew that I just wanted to do social work maybe. And I think you may know who I'm talking about. I think at the beginning, when I first started working with coaches, I think And this is why if you are listening, you're starting things, trying to figure things out, do your research. And then if you're going to invest in a coach, make sure it's in alignment to you and that they're going to understand to your needs, to your course. When I first started and I had invested in a business coach, I don't think they understood me. As a whole, my values and all those things that they kept, they were coming more from the money aspect, and I was coming more of that serving aspect. So I think from the very beginning, I knew it's just at that time I had a coach that wasn't alignment to me that they made me question myself. And I was like, oh no, I'm not listening to this person. Right. I remember they told me, oh, don't niche with social workers because they don't make money. They're not gonna pay you. And I'm like, what? If I would have listened to them, oof, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I'm like, I'm not in this for money. I'm here to really change lives and to make an impact. So if you got someone or you're listening, like do your research. If you feel it in your core from day one, don't move forward. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting. I think that you and I bonded also because you and I had a very similar experience with our very first coach because we didn't know what we were doing. We just, we knew that we wanted to serve a certain community. We knew that We needed help because we were working full time and we just felt all over the place. Like there's something here because there's people reaching out to us and asking us to help them. But I don't know, like, I don't even know how much to charge. I don't know how to structure my program. I don't know, like, how to even structure a coaching session to make sure that I'm delivering the most value. And so you and I, I think it was around the same time. And they were really big investments for us. Oh, my God. Tell me about it. (laughs) Yeah. And interesting. I don't know if you ended up finishing your program with your coach. No, I left. I'm like, I'm not wasting my time. Me too. I left and... I mean, it's something that I just told her. I said, I don't think that we're a right match. And I think I was five calls in and we were supposed to have 12 calls. And I'm telling you, like, this was a five-figure investment. It was a lot of money. And it was the same thing. It wasn't so much about the niching part, but it was about her ability to coach me in my confidence because I was already in a very toxic environment at my job. And I was already doubting myself and my abilities and the way for me to do my job. And so the things that she would say and do like, just made me question myself even more, which is why I think it's very important to know who you're going to be giving your money to as a coach. Yeah, it's not a therapy session, but it is very important to have alignment because again, if what you just said, Harleenie, they make you question yourself and look at you right now, two years later, really just because you stuck to your guns and decided this is what feels right for me. This is what my community needs and therefore that's what I want to do. Regardless of what you're saying I should be doing, you need to go into that relationship knowing that. Yeah, your coach should push you to do things that you're uncomfortable with, right? But you just know sometimes when things just don't feel right. So... I just wanted to put that out there and and emphasize that piece because since we're all so new to this game of side hustling, or sometimes people even decide to just jump in right away. Especially now after 2020, people have made so many decisions that have changed their lives when it comes to their careers and their paths. And so, just jumping right into their doing their business full time is something another decision that people have decided to make. But if you are a side hustler or trying to become a side hustler and you need that help of coaching or somebody to kind of hold your hand and give you all of the details and strategies, make sure that you really do your research because there's a lot of people out there who are selling all these crazy packages and they ended up not working out. So with that being said, Harleny, uh, besides getting help if you need it, what are some tips that you think you can give to people listening if they want to get started with a side hustle?
0: That's a great question. I feel like for me, when I first started, obviously, for those who are listening, you're working full time. I'm still working full time, so I'm still a fellow side hustler. I think first is really setting the expectations. Number one, if you currently are with your partner or you're living, let's say, you know, with family members, first setting the expectations is key really start setting boundaries, right? And I feel like that's the most important thing because as you first start figuring it out, if you don't have a community, you're going to question yourself a lot. You're going to be like, no one understands me. No one knows what I'm going through. And again, I think, I'm not saying to tell like the world, but I'm saying like people in your household, whoever it is, like, hey, this is what I'm thinking of doing. And I just need, you know, that extra support when it comes to X, Y, and Z. Example, okay, on evenings, I need, you know, the room cleared or something. I'm just giving an example. And I'm saying that because as a fellow Cyho, sci- hustler my office space is in my room right so coming from that place of just kind of finding your area you do not need this crazy office like no just your area to make it your own the second thing is if you can and you have a supportive supervisor letting your supervisor know and be transparent like hey I do want to let you know that I'm thinking of citing a side hustle because especially as an online you know entrepreneur You're going to be putting yourself out there when building that personal brand, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. So I think kind of having just that open communication can also help you, you know, not feel so stressed and feel like you have to be on tippy toes. So from the very beginning, I had a very supportive supervisor and I told her, like, hey, this is what I'm thinking of doing. And she was like, no problem. Obviously, it didn't interfere during my job, you know, during my lunch when I had time. Maybe I started working on content when I left out of work, you know, just being transparent. And then the other thing is mindset work. <laughs> mindset work, because the biggest barrier that you're going to face, and I often seen, regardless of what area of focus you are in, you know, again, business, career, life, coach, you have to keep your mindset on track, right? Because if you don't put yourself first, then you're going to self-sabotage and question yourself, because at the end of the day, like the moment you start putting yourself out there and come from a place of I am a leader, people are going to look up to you. So I think as if you're thinking of doing that, you have to make sure like really not question if you're ready for this, but just kind of keep your mindset in check. Like, you know what, I am deserving of this, you know, affirmation is all those things. So I think that's what be like the top three things that I can say if you're currently figuring things out is to, you know, have that open communication, you know, people in your household, as well as your employer, if you have a comfortable and supportive supervisor. And then the last thing is just making sure that you, you know, be aware of how you're feeling going into the particular business.
1: Wow, those are all top-notch tips that I absolutely agree with. I think that you and I have very similar takes on that. I also wanted to add, you know, with the whole thing of telling your boss, I do agree. Just make sure you pulse the person first, you know, before you go ahead and tell them because you just never know. You have to protect your full-time job, obviously. So just make sure that you're very aware of the relationship you have with your manager and how is that going to affect. And something else that's <laughs> kind of very interesting because that's what I'm navigating right now. And it is to make sure that your side hustle, it's not a conflict of interest to your job. So for example, in our cases, we have been lucky, I think, because we have had supportive supervisors and supportive workplaces. But technically, us helping other people getting jobs could potentially pose a conflict of interest because we are recruiters, right? Like this is what we do for our nine to five. But let's say that I wanted to teach people, you know, how to side hustle or how to pay debt or how I could be a financial coach or a business coach. That has nothing to do with my nine to five job. However, you know, as long as you are being honest with yourself and please make sure you're with integrity, with not utilizing work time to be doing like your side hustle stuff, you just be very careful with that because if they know that you're side hustling, you have to make sure that you are like top notch at your job. Like you have to really meet expectations because if you were to slip off, even if it has nothing to do with your business, they're right away going to think, oh, it's because she's doing more for her business or she's side hustling. So she's distracted and not focused. Just make sure that you have all of those things in mind. But everything that you mentioned was like right on point. Totally agree. Hey there. If you are enjoying the podcast, I would so much appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would help the show reach more multi-passionate professionals and it gives me feedback on what direction to take future episodes. I have linked a tutorial on how to do so in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. That takes us into the next question, which I think it's so related to what we were just chatting about. What are the biggest challenges you think that you're currently facing or have faced while you've been running your side hustle?
0: I feel like for me, of course, this goes back to as a latina a woman of color i didn't know the resources available to me especially you know now i know that you can have a, you know literally certify yourself as a latina owned business you know minority owned business all those things that can give you more resources and all those things so i think thinking back i didn't know so unfortunately back then i i again i didn't know so all these investments i went crazy put it on my credit card myself into crazy debt. Of course, it's already paid off because of my business. So I think it's just more of the biggest challenges is number one, me jumping into it without doing my research, throwing the credit card, like, please don't do that. Just really do your research. And really, there's resources out there, especially as Latina women of color, like different scholarships. It's if, I'm just giving an example. Like there's people out there that want to give us money. So you have to do your research, especially if you have a great idea, right? And then the other thing is now I'm in therapy and I love saying that because again, as a fellow social worker, but like it's important to be real. And I feel like my business gave me the opportunity to really highlight like, okay, I need to be in therapy because they say, you know, your business is a reflection of your life. Sometimes you may not be able to realize that until you're deep in. Well, now this girl's at peace. But at the beginning, I would say that, you know, the biggest challenge honestly was myself like my money trauma, because I got myself into that debt. And again, just goes back to things from childhood and all those things. And you would think like, wow, in a business, all of that's going to come out. It is going to come out. And it did, which again, I am grateful that it did because it led me to like, okay, I need to get into therapy. And that was the best thing that I could have done for myself and for my business. And I'm not saying everyone needs to be in therapy. And I'm not saying all those things. I'm just saying, like, if you catch yourself... Doing a certain pattern or just kind of certain thoughts coming up, you kind of have to ask yourself, maybe I need to like check within to see what's going on. And again, I am grateful for my business that gave me the opportunity. But thinking back, it wasn't that the website and, you know, ref, like, no, none of that matters. Like the most important thing is the energy that you give out. At the end of the day, always remembering your why. Again, I started my business not because of money, not because I want to be, you know, a full-time business. I, I, none of that came to mind and it still doesn't come to mind. I mean, you never know the future, but as of now, Still in my nine to five, fellow side hustler. And I know many entrepreneurs are still in their full-time job and they have multiple six-figure business. So just know anything is possible. The best thing that you have to do is continue to take care of you, check in with you and ask yourself, okay, if something's not serving me you know, the way that it should, you know, change it and set boundaries. One thing I didn't do at the beginning of my business, I wanted to do everything and be involved with everything that I burned myself out. And then now I'm a huge fan for protecting my energy, protecting my space and only doing things that are alignment to me and just living my life. So I think that was some of the key points that I would say.
1: Yeah, those are all great points, Rolini. And, you know, you mentioned, I think it's great that you're super comfortable at sharing that you're in therapy. I think that we need to continue to move towards a world where it's not taboo anymore to talk about being in therapy. I mentioned in one of my beginning episodes that I started therapy again. And it's just been so good for me because we just have so much going on, right? That sometimes you just, you're heading the sand and you're go, go, go. And you don't realize that sometimes you just have to let things out with somebody that's going to be asking the questions. Because as a coach, you're the one always asking the questions and the one listening all the time that you forget to be listened to, right? And being in therapy, it doesn't mean that you have an issue. It doesn't mean that you have to fix something. It just means that you're aware that that's good self-care for yourself. And that at the end of the day, it makes you a better person because you cannot serve out of an empty cup. Yes. (laughs) And I absolutely love, you know, you were talking about all that trauma that was coming from your childhood when it comes to money and all of that. I think that we all can be better with our relationship with money. It goes back to the fact that we're minorities, right? Like we come from underrepresented communities where we didn't really have access to a lot of financial education. And now I think that we're being exposed a little bit more to it and being conscious about it. But that's not something that our parents talked to us about. Money was a big taboo in our family, huge taboo something that you will never chat about, whether my parents were in debt or not dead, like all of that. And it definitely affects how we make decisions, right? But I'm curious to hear about those programs that you were talking about, like minority business and things like that. Tell us all about that. Like for all of my underrepresented communities, listeners that are in this episode today, what can they do to raise money? Where can they go? What are the steps? Like, what are the criteria? Have you looked into that yet? <laughs> Great question. So, I have
0: not. I'm here preaching all these resources and I haven't. Because, to be honest, like, this is my own fault. You have to, like, write like an essay. And, like, I think you have to, you know, do some research when it comes to certain proposals. All of those things take time, which, again, you know, I'm guilty of. But, honestly, Google, and I have so many mentors. I'm so grateful. I have so many mentors, especially, you know, within a Latinx community that, you know, have been in business a while. And they were the ones that was like, hey, by the way, but please go on Google, just write, you know, minority-owned business and a whole bunch of resources are going to come up. But I remember she told me that, you know, if you apply and you get accepted, they give you funds. They give you funds that you can use to create a website. They give you funds to hire someone, do additional tasks. Like there's money out there for any particular person who's trying to start a business and they're a minority. Those resources are out there. But trust me, it's on my to-do. Because I think too is like really saying that like right now, like I don't feel I need anything. At the beginning, obviously, before I wasted all that money, it would have been amazing. But I feel like right now where I am, like I'm good, which is why it hasn't been a priority for me right now. But if you're currently listening and doing research, go on Google. Go write in Minority Owned Business or Latina Business Scholarships on Google and see what comes out. I'm pretty sure there's so many out there that haven't been spoken about.
1: That is a great action. I'm definitely going to be doing that as soon as we're done with this podcast. I'm curious because... I think that I've been in the same rat chase, right, of investing on the next thing. Like, what's going to make me better? Because at the end of the day, as a coach, and I'm a huge learner, like I'm a learner by trade. So I just love learning new things and super multi-passioners. I'm always just interested in all these different things that I can get my hands on. And that is how we become the best coach that we can be for our clients, right? Always just learning for them, investing on ourselves so that we can then come on with the best skills and the best resources to provide to our clients so that they get at a fraction of the cost that we had to pay for it. So so I think that's great to know and if you are a minority trying to open up your own business. Just do a quick Google search, just like Carlene said, and thank her later. <laughs> <laughs>
0: go out Google. There's so many resources there. You just have to really, again, do your research and everything you do should be intentional and direct. Don't just start waving credit cards like I did at the beginning of my business. There's money out there.
1: You and I have very similar backgrounds when it comes to that. But, you know, I wanted to mention one of the challenges that I'm going to bring up for myself as a side hustler is time management and productivity. You know, you have a nine to five job. And sometimes it's not even nine to five, it's nine to six. I don't know why we say nine to five because it's usually nine to six. What are some of the tips that you have for productivity? What are the things that you do and don't do in your business so that you can keep yourself sane when it comes to your to-do list? And I want to say to-do list, but I'm ready to change that mindset. I just heard somebody, I can't remember who he was, but they said, I don't say to-do list. I said, will do list. Instead of to-do lists, which is a huge mindset shift that I'm trying to get myself into, because like when you say to-do list, it makes you feel like you have to do something and you don't want to do it, but you have to. As opposed to, I will be doing this because at the end of the day, it's just gonna make my business move the needle and move forward. With that being said, what are the tips that you have when it comes to productivity? Because a girl is struggling over here, so I want to be able to give some tips to my listeners on when it comes to that. And on top of that, I have two kids too, so. I can use some tips on productivity and time management.
0: Absolutely. And I also want to share, of course, I do not have kids at this time. I have two crazy dogs, but obviously it does not take the same time as having kids. So I'm not comparing. I think for me, first, really assessing your current schedule and your availability. Like first looking into your calendar and blocking out time before your nine to five or nine to six or whatever. And after blocking out those times and saying, okay, Harleny, a week, you have this amount of hours Let's say you're working with clients. How many particular clients can you handle at a time, right? When you're first starting out, you're not going to know. And I say, go out there and start, you know, you won't know what you can handle unless you put yourself out there, right? Whether it's like three to one-on-one clients or one group, whatever it is, obviously you're starting out. You know, only start with like one-on-one clients, don't go into group because that's just another, you know, particular avenue, right? Same thing with like workshops or anything like that, right? So when it comes to tips is, you know, really looking at your current availability and then kind of planning your particular schedule with that. Because obviously I do work full time and, you know, I have other things going on. And again, the only way that I knew this is by testing it out. I used to, before, coach on Mondays, coach on Fridays, you know, coach every single day. And I was burning myself out. I'm like, because the thing is, you're constantly task-shifting and that's, you know, particularly exhausting, right? So, like, Monday I coach. Your brain's like, wait, you coach Monday, Tuesday. You have this collaboration on this day. Like, it's just too much. So I told myself, okay, I only want to coach twice a week. If it changes, then I change everything completely, right? Right. So I think coming from that place of to the best of my ability, because of course I can get sick. My client can get sick. And then, you know, there might be those circumstances. I'm like, you know what, whatever. I'll coach on a Friday evening, right? Like if I feel up to it. Another thing to remember is that your business is your business and you're in control. You don't have to do anything if you don't want to. Same goes with, of course, clients and providers are investing in you. But if you're sick or anything like that, like don't be afraid to speak up because this is your business. This is not your nine to five that you have to do something. And I think that was the biggest thing for me that I to remind myself, like, if I don't want to show up today, I'm not going to show up today. I'm not going to do something forced. If I don't want to collaborate with somebody, I'm not, I do not have to, I can say no. Same thing with, you know, if I'm currently at capacity and I don't want to take on more clients, then I'm saying, hey, I'm currently at capacity. But going back to the particular um, strategy is, you know, blocking out your time and theming your days. Right to the best of your ability. Right, so if I know I'm gonna coach, example, I coach Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I have Monday, Thursday, and Fridays to maybe you know create content, work on client documents. I like to theme it and leave it freely. I don't like to put so much pressure on myself because again, on a Monday I may not want to do anything. On a Thursday I may want to do everything. So I think. For me, and again, this is just what works for me. I know, like, okay, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I'm just gonna meet with clients, you know, after work or early in the morning. I've had client sessions at seven o'clock in the morning before work at times because of time zones as well. And again, going back to what works best for the client and myself, you know, at this time I am working from home. Of course, things can change, so I do have that flexibility of having a client session way before work and you know, really late. I have a client right now in California (laughs) who we've been meeting. At nine o'clock at night, right? So it's coming from a place of really just assessing your schedule and doing what works for you. Now, in regards to weekends, for me at this time, I have really, really set boundaries with not taking any client sessions, doing any collaborations, nothing when it comes to the weekends. Of course, I may engage a little bit on LinkedIn, or if I get creative, I'm going to work on content or something like that, but that's it. I felt like people have respected that. Again, that works for me. You know, for people that have kids or just any other responsibilities, weekends might be the only time that do what works for you. So I think when it comes to when you're first starting out, assess your current schedule. You know, look at a schedule right now. If you're listening to this, open up your schedule, literally blackout time, you know, highlight it nine to six, nine to five, whatever you work. Okay, I work, so I cannot put anything during that time. So then kind of seeing your availability and then plugging and play. And you'll learn, again, you don't know what you can handle until you put yourself out there. So now I know, okay, I can handle this amount of clients. I can handle this amount of collaborations. I try my best not to do more maybe once presentation or one collaboration like a month because that's exhausting. You have so much energy in like running a workshop. So I think it's just assessing what could work for you and just not guilting yourself. Like you said, something doesn't get done because this is your business and you're in control. Like you're allowed to have a week that you're like, I don't want to see anybody. I've had, you know, weeks that I'm like, oh, I'm not feeling my best. Like I, I just need to reschedule and I don't meet with anybody. I don't do anything and I just take care of me. And I think it's just more of just having that honest conversation too. obviously not saying you're going to be counseling things left and right. I'm talking about more with your clients. Right. Because if it's a contract or something, that's a different situation. But at least for your clients, like, hey, I'm not feeling my best. You know, I need to reschedule or anything like that. They're going to understand they want you to be one hundred and ten percent. So I know I'm going a little rant because, you know, this can go on and on. But I just wanted to highlight that.
1: Yeah, no, um, not a rant at all. I think everything is really useful and extremely actionable, which I love, which is what this podcast is all about being really actionable and giving strategies that can really be helpful for people. But I wanted to add as well, you know, I, I think I agree with you with just setting boundaries and feeling comfortable with that. You know, and now that I announced that I'm going to be doing a podcast, I have gotten so many requests for people like, hey, can I be on it? Can I be on it? And it's like, You know, right now I just have a vision for the podcast where I'm hand-selecting people to work with me, to be able to come on to the podcast because I want to make sure that I'm giving whatever aligns with what it is I'm looking for for the podcast. If you sell product-based, if you have a like brick and mortar business or if you're selling like things on Etsy, like that doesn't align with what I'm doing because what I'm doing here is service-based, right? Like coaching and all of these other things are like service-based, like when you're creating somebody's website or copywriting and things like that, that really aligns with me. And before I was not comfortable with that because again, it comes back to a lot of childhood trauma on not setting boundaries because you're a people pleaser or because you think that you're offending people people or because you think you're being rude that's something else that you should really check yourself for like start setting boundaries slowly I know that it's really hard it's easier said than done and I'm still working on it because I'm a huge people pleaser but just being okay with say, you know what this doesn't align I think you need to have two questions right like ask your question okay do I want to do this today if the answer is no then no okay move on I'm not feeling like it yes okay yes how much time am I going to dedicate to that, and how does that align with what I'm doing, and how is that aligned to moving the needle of my business? Because you know, as a side hustler, we have that restriction of time, because we spend eight to nine hours working for someone else, right? So, by the time you're done, you're probably deflated, you're tired, you're exhausted, <laughs> and you just don't want to put. For that, but you also need to check with yourself and say, How bad do you want it? You know, because we're always going to be tired, we're always going to be like, I don't feel like it. So, just I think that putting things in your calendar can really help to keep yourself accountable and get yourself a business bestie like me and her Lenny, so that we can keep each other accountable. Because sometimes it's hard to kind of get yourself into that rhythm. With that being said, what is your favorite part of side hustling? I know that we've been giving a lot of like the challenges and how did you start, but what are your favorite things of side hustling considering that there's just so many things that go into it? What do you like about it?
0: The fact that I am truly changing lives. I am changing lives. I always say I am on a mission to uplift and elevate those social work professions. So when it comes to working with students or even working with seasoned social workers, I am truly changing lives. I'm helping my clients really enhance their confidence. Out of the things is, you know, those limiting beliefs, you know, imposter syndrome. And besides helping my clients land jobs, obviously that's the bonus, but it's just that transformation because I always say I'm here to provide my clients with the tools, empower them to be able to do the particular strategy on their own. So when I'm no longer there and we're no longer working together, they have these tools and resources to be able to, you know, basically level up in their career. So the best part for me is just those little messages that I get from my clients. Like they, And you're listening. Shout out to you all because you all give me that sense of purpose to just continue showing up for you all. And just coming from that place of like, when you don't think somebody's watching, somebody's watching. The littlest things that you're saying, people, they look up to you, right? So I'm like someone's role model, someone's big sister, you know, younger sister, that feeling. And me just talking about it, like I get emotional because I'm like, yo, like, we need more of us, right? Like we need more people to just show up, you know, for our community and just serve the hell out of our community. So the best start part of me, it's, the community. It's just the ability to know that I am changing someone's life by me just saying, "Hey, everyone, you know, how are you doing today?" Like the simplest things, and I think that just something I'm always gonna hold to my core, and I'm always gonna be that motivating factor for me.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And then my last question for you, Harleny is if you had to start all over, looking at your younger self two years ago, or even three, five years ago, what advice would you give yourself?
0: Mm, that's a good question. Well, my advice to me is that don't limit yourself to what you think you can handle. Like really come from a place of I always say I was born to make an impact and I truly believe that. So my advice to my younger self is to know and to validate her And know like you're going to do big things. It's just a matter of your particular journey, the direction that you're going to get there. But just continue to believe in yourself because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else
1: will. I love that. That is such a great way to part ways here on this episode. Thank you so much, Arlene, for agreeing to coming on. I know you have a super busy schedule, so I appreciate it every time that you agreed to collaborate with me. It's such a blessing and is such a treat. I am sure that a lot of the listeners are taking away tons of tips and strategies on how to start their own side hustles, how to set boundaries, how to make an impact. There's just so many nuggets and amazing tips that you gave us today. So if they wanted to connect with you, what's the best way to reach you?
0: Absolutely. Well, I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook by my name, Harleny Vasquez, and I am on Instagram by my business name, Your Evolved Mind. I also have a podcast. And even though it's called Social Work Insider, I share so much value, so much gents that can be applicable to all. And it's called Social Work Insider.
1: Yes. So I've listened to the podcast. I've been a guest there as well. And a lot of recruiters and a lot of tips on how to job search, how to write your resume, how to show up on LinkedIn and all of the good stuff. So make sure you go ahead and follow Harleni. All of those links are going to be included in our show notes and they will be linked right below this episode. Thank you so much, Harlene. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode, and I hope that it served you well. If you enjoyed it or found it to be something that resonated with you, share that takeaway with me over on Instagram so that the community can also see it. And if you tag me at Side Hustle Experience, I will be sure to reshare it. Your support and feedback means the world to me. I hope to have you back on the next episode at the same time, same place. Over and out.